Hey guys, welcome back. It is Anime Death Spiral, the only anime podcast made with 100% cruelty-free weeb byproduct. And uh, we're back again to talk about all things anime, as usual, nothing but anime. Um, and the first anime thing I want to talk about is Nate's uh, post, <laughs> post-trip post doldrums, your, your anime Japan uh, withdrawals. Has it been difficult transitioning to a foreign culture? It's uh, honestly been hard to come back. I've been calling it uh, reverse Paris syndrome, where uh, uh, I went to Japan and realized that uh, everybody has it better than us, almost. Uh, and and some people may call me alarmist, but uh, I cannot go back to to the bathrooms. Uh, I haven't been able to go to the bathroom since I came back. These bakugaijin don't know what they're missing. Uh, the the toilets don't greet you. Uh, the showers are not an entire room that you get to walk into. <laughs> it, it's we're living in the literal dark ages. It is pretty egregious that I don't have an entire walk-in shower. That's true. Uh, every house should have an entire walk-in shower. I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing, people? The the convenience stores were on such another level. You know, I, I covered it last time, but it's it's disheartening to drive by a Seven Eleven these days. I know. Is that the thing you miss the oh, most? Oh, absolutely. Right now? Yeah. By far, the convenience stores are the what I miss the most. Like having an actual. Uh, good varied stock of stuff that I actually want to eat. Is there anything our convenience stores do better? Like we have a, we must have like a better variety of cigarillo, right? <laughs> oh yes, um, gotta be right. Definitely more more rolling paper options in America. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, there has to be. Uh, <laughs> although it, it's least. funny when I was there, we were walking around Don Quixote's big like a uh, uh, one hundred yen store. Yeah in osaka and they had like a wall that was just all rolling papers Dope. and uh my wife was like well why do they have rolling papers here i'm like i think that maybe people use them to roll cigarettes <laughs> <laughs> don't quote me on that but uh i think may some people may put tobacco in them that's right people do roll like tobacco i can't believe it of course of course do they have rislas is that international product uh, didn't see any now. Okay, let's get serious for a second. What is the state of vaping in Japan? Oh, it's everywhere. Yeah, same same thing. Don Quixote's they sold cigarettes and and vapes. Do they have the the shitty the shitty one off ones? Or yeah, like that's most shit? of it actually. Yeah. So you that know, uh, unfortunate. But uh, also, everybody just still smokes regular cigarettes there. Vaping wasn't huge, from what I saw. <laughs> You know, I think what I'm going to miss the most is the uh, 70 cent cans of like 8% booze. That is pretty nice. I, I am very jealous of that. They have like vending machines with booze in them, right? You know, that's not this. as common as uh, we have been led to believe. What? I know. I've been uh, lied to? You've been lied to. These motherfuckers. Did not see a lot of food vending machines and didn't see any beer vending machines outside 
of the hotels that we were staying at. You know, all the hotels definitely, you know, each floor had a vending machine room, and those ones you could definitely get, like, uh, cans of Kirin Ichiban uh, or Sapporo or whatever. But on the street, not so much. Didn't see any. What I did see a lot of were cigarette vending machines. They still got those. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, and they are the, still the same <laughs> ones from, like, the 80s. <laughs> That's so cool. Okay, I gotta say, of course, of course... Smoking is bad for you, and you shouldn't do it. But can we can we please be honest? Like it is cool. Oh, it's smoking cool. is uh, smoking is the only way to be cool, like in a visual way. It's, it's so fucking cool. I, I hate that we we can be against something and also admit that it's fucking cool. You know what I mean? I mean, come on. You you got smoke coming out of your mouth. Uh, there's fire involved. You ever see a John Woo movie? Oh, yeah. That's 90% of those movies are dudes smoking in a cool way. That's mm-hmm. what makes those movies cool. I, I can't remember the title, but I'm going to find it and send it to you. Uh, in my in my many searches for trash rom-com anime, I found one that was like literally about two people that that meet and fall in love because they take their smoke breaks together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. That's the the guy who smokes behind the convenience store. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> of course I already know about that one. Yes. Because it's uh, cool. The gimmick, is, the gimmick is that he really likes the girl who works at the convenience store and doesn't realize that the girl smoking out back with him is the same girl, which I, I don't know how... You wait. What does she like? Wear a, a disguise when she goes to work? I think she like does the '80s thing where she like lets her hair down. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't. I haven't read it. Uh, maybe the guy has face blindness. I don't know. I mean, I that does not make a whole lot of sense to me. No, no. Maybe it's when when she's smoking, she looks so much cooler that it actually like kind of blinds him to who it actually is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Seems weird to me, but you know, whatever. If I ever ran into my crush, like, hanging out behind the coffee shop or whatever, I'm 99% sure I'd recognize her. But, you know, hey, maybe they're built different in Japan. I don't know. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, definitely one thing that I really miss from Japan are all of the cool-looking people standing around smoking and drinking in public. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I would say for anybody who hasn't traveled outside the United States, one of the things that is the biggest culture shock is realizing that everyone dresses cooler than americans i I don't know what happened to us culturally that this is like our affliction but everyone else has like a standard baseline for how you know well you should be dressing well you know this isn't um this isn't anime related but you and i've been playing dying light too and we are often remarking about how uh in the eastern european vision of the post-apocalypse with mutant zombies everyone is still dripped out as fuck there is a consistent level of drip even for the most drab dressed people like it has to be brought up to it there's a floor there and it is much higher than in america you know that one of the one of the things that's really funny about like, like France. You know, uh, a country you know known for being fashionable and smoking as well. Uh, speaking of, you go there and like one of the first things you notice is like uh, people don't generally dress to like stand out as much. Maybe if you're like out at night in Paris and people are like clubbing or whatever, but you will notice that like everybody is dressed to a certain level of coolness. Like you do not go beneath. A nice looking outfit everybody might look a little bit the same but there's nobody who looks fucking a slob or whatever 
And that's just something that doesn't exist in America. Like, I'm sorry. We look like shit. Yeah. You know, a lot of people who assume basketball shorts and a, you know, plaid uh, button up. That's your that's your Friday <laughs> outfit. You know, put on some some uh, Oakleys and a backwards baseball cap and uh, you're out with the boys, my friend. OK, you're joking. But the amount of times <laughs> I have seen people wearing button up shirts with like shorts is so fucking egregious it is like it hurts me it hurts little tiny holes in oh my yeah soul. i'm no like you know cancerous. i'm no uh i'm not innocent in this i've been known to to rock some jorts with a button up but you know oh, i was God. raised wrong yeah you you're an american they're <laughs> uh the bakagaijins yeah. have uh, different standards <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I miss, uh, people caring about how they look. Yeah, I, I do too, every single day. Um, what, what have you been doing since you got back? Uh, mostly Nothing. like, uh, feverishly trying to recreate several recipes of food that I ate over there. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think I may have talked about it a little bit already, so I won't linger there, but, uh, the food lives <laughs> rent-free in my head every day. It's haunting you. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I, I definitely haven't been looking at plane tickets, like, by the hour. No, no, of course not. Listen, why don't you tell me about some anime? Okay. So, last episode, I talked a lot about Natsume Arata getting married. Right, about the uh, the serial killer. Yes. Because I really, really loved, really, really loved it. And I had really loved Yoreto, which uh, they're both written and drawn by Nogizaka Taro. Um, Nogi Zakatara also wrote and uh, drew uh, a series called Gideon of the Third, which is really funny. It's like a, uh, a story set in the lead up to the French Revolution, but it only made six chapters before it got canceled. So R.I.P. Gideon. But Nogi Zakatara did spend years and years doing all the art for a series called Team Medical Dragon. Okay. Which was written by somebody else. It was written by Nagai Akira, but it is like, it is a full-on, almost ER-style, like, hospital drama. And I just, like, despite not being uh, somebody who usually falls for that style of uh, soap opera, really, uh, I got sucked in so hard. I mean, there's, like, 200 chapters of this thing, and I, I read it, like, within the last week. Oh, I see. You got uh, You got the bug in you. I did. I I loved it. I really really liked it. It's about. I mean, this is like you could probably guess, but this is about uh, an incredibly ambitious young assistant professor at uh, the cardiothoracic department of a research hospital, and she's got her eyes on becoming a a real power player in the in the hospital world. She wants to shake up the hospital. That's Grey's Anatomy. You're describing Grey's Anatomy. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, hey, look, there's not a lot of deviation in hospital stories, but uh, <laughs> so she she uh, she recalling her time working at a an NGO in a war zone. She remembers hearing the rumors of this like badass rogue heart surgeon and like his godly skills. So 
in part of her power play years later, she decides to seek him out and recruit him into her team so that she can become the next head cardio professor at the research hospital. Sure. And she finds him and he's like a real he's a real scamp, you know. He's oh, yeah. uh, he's got godlike skills, but he he plays by his own rules, you know. He's like uh, he's a real badass heart surgeon kind of guy. You got to love those scamps. Yeah. He doesn't care about anything but saving the patient's life. Mm-hmm. And uh, God help you if you get in his way. He joins the team, of course, on the condition that uh, nobody gets to fuck with him. And uh, he just goes on a, a hospital patient-saving rampage. <laughs> and there's lots of really intense politics going on. I'm imagining him like running from room to room with the uh, defibrillator and just shocking people <laughs> back to life one after the other. Okay, check this out. Obviously, like the first like third of the manga is the recruitment arc where he goes between like different people and forms his team. And um, for one of the, the post-op care doctors who refuses to work with him because he hates, like, renegade doctors. Oh, hate those renegade doctors. I hate renegade doctors. He kind of hates surgeons in general. Uh, I'm still unclear uh, yeah, why. I, there's a lot of crossover here with uh, the, the Blackjack OVA anime from the 80s and 90s. Yes, I, I constantly thought about Blackjack while I was uh, reading it. But, like, this guy, uh, he, has a, he has, like, a heart condition, and he, like, collapses on the street. And this rogue doctor pulls his car up and drags the jumper cables onto his nipples and just, like, <laughs> shocks him back awake, which is an incredible moment. Incredible moment. Uh, and there's like, a lot um, of moments like that. Uh, well, uh, the episode of The Simpsons where uh, Bart's in the Boy Scouts and he wants the knife. You know, <laughs> uh, Dr. Hibbert does the street uh, appendectomy on Hans Moleman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad good. I had my trusty knife. <laughs> you know what? I mean, that scene basically happens, but like deadly seriously over and over again <laughs> in uh, Team Medical Dragon. But it's really good. The characters are really well drawn out. The drama is impeccable. Obviously, the art is fantastic because Nogizakataro is like godly. Uh, this is an earlier work, so it's got kind of that rough, that roughness to it from the kind of the older like 2000s era manga stuff but it's great it's really great Uh, i'm not usually like a hospital soap opera guy like i said but like something about it just you know what's interesting is that so much manga i read and i read like a a lot of like action stuff like genre stuff and all of the drama around like genre stuff in general is like a guy killing or being killed i guess in the most general sense. So there is something kind of fun about like a, a an action story that's all about guys who are saving other people's lives. There is a uniqueness to that, right? It kind of feels it kind of feels nice every once in a while to read a story where the guy's power is to like save people's lives, right? Sure. It's kind of nice. I mean, that's what I liked about uh, Blackjack, you know. Uh, obviously, it did it in a bit more... Oh, I can't... I haven't read Team Medical Dragon, so I don't know how fantastical it gets, but uh, Blackjack was always fun for me because he was always, like, dead seriously focused on, on saving the patient at any cost. And for some reason, yes. that made him, like, an outcast renegade in the medical field. <laughs> 
<laughs> I I obviously need to like go and read more Blackjack or whatever to figure out what exactly happened that got him uh, exiled. I'd love to know. I I do know uh, since I watched the rest of those things, I did I did pick up on Pinoco's origin story, which is one of the most wild things I have ever read. Yeah, it's uh, a <laughs> it's a weirder aspect of the story, and actually that was like one of the few carryovers between the original uh, Osama Tezuka manga and the OVA like 90, 80s, 90s uh, series that they did, which was much- Oh, you can't. Go go track that one down, dear friend and listener, because uh, you will not see what's coming there, and also, <laughs> of course, they kept it because it's incredible. <laughs> Pinoco's origin story in Blackjack. Go, go get that shit. Uh, but no, uh, unlike Blackjack, Team Medical Dragon is almost uh, obsessively descriptive and detailed about the medical procedures that are happening. You should see the translator's notes. They're just reams and reams of all these medical jargon that they're trying to explain to the reader about like, oh, so, uh, you know, um, the left ventricle obviously connects to the upper left atrium of the heart. And when the upper atrium of the heart develops a, a weakness in the central membrane that connects uh, the left and right atriums, this is uh, this can be to a defect, which is usually fine, but it leads to, a, you know, in other cases, a weakened heart can cause, and it's like it goes on and on and on well, about this you stuff. See that, you see that all the time in a lot of different manga. It's kind of like uh, baked into the structure of the of the format because it's like most manga almost operate as like secondarily as an instruction manual for whatever <laughs> the overarching theme of the of the story is you know yeah. so like you have a you have an author who has an idea and then they go and do i don't know how much research on this one particular topic that they want to structure the story around and then in the process just kind of like dump everything in there uh, almost in a textbook format yes it is kind of one of the uh, classic setups for a manga incredibly detailed uh, specific user manual plus human interest drama attached kind of a, a vestigial like uh, a bourgeois novel form growing <laughs> out of the back of like a travel guide or or a, a, a fix-it-yourself book or a cookbook or like this medical textbook you know it's it's interesting it's interesting thing that pops up a lot uh but this one is insanely detailed and it it, almost to the point where like i because i i'm a i'm a big brave boy and i don't have a lot of fears i'm i'm pretty fearless i'm like uh i'm like a big dog no fear oh yeah you sit at the adults table i do i sit at i sit at the very brave adults table uh, I put my feet up usually, but medical stuff gets me like there. I definitely have like medical phobias uh, and seeing like open heart surgery over and over again in, in loving detail uh, did like definitely got me a little squeamish. But uh, it guess that it, that's a testament to how great the, the story is, because I pressed through like very quickly. It's a very fun story. And uh, the the bourgeois novel aspect of it is very engaging. All the heart stuff is like uh, performed in like the most like tense and like dramatic way possible. So it's still fun to do. Um, the characters are charming. If you liked uh, George Clooney on uh, General Hospital, you're gonna love this. You are gonna love this. Uh, he was on ER. Oh fuck, he was. I thought he was General Hospital. No, he was ER. Damn. 
I got him mixed up. <laughs> Gen was General Hospital the one with the secret like laser in the in the the basement of the hospital? Yeah, General Hospital was the much more cartoonish one. Anyway, yeah, I had a really good time reading that. Man, how embarrassing. <laughs> you know what? I was more of a Nip Tuck guy, so fuck, <laughs> like, fuck off. Yeah, Nip Tuck was my was my hospital show. And you know why? Why? Two chicks at the same time. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, baby. Nip Tuck was sexy. It was the sexy surgery <laughs> television drama. That one was... I, I actually really like Nip Tuck. It's the stupidest show ever made, but I really liked it. <laughs> so I also read... Uh, and this... I do have shame about this. Yeah, um, speaking of sexy trash. Yeah, not really that sexy, but uh, I, I also did read after i think trashing it pretty early on in one of our episodes i did start reading mysterious girlfriend x uh, <laughs> you're familiar with this of course uh explain it again for our dear listener we did talk about this right i'm not making that up no but it was a while ago we, mysterious girlfriend x is a rom-com it's pretty light on the com i gotta be honest not a lot of not a lot of gags in this one that's about a boy who makes the inexplicable decision to lick one of his female classmates' drool off of her desk one day after school. Yeah, it's pretty much as gross as that sounds. It's one of the most bizarre setups I've ever seen. Not the most. Uh, we Again, we will talk about the, the rom-com about pissing yourself at, at some point. <laughs> I'd we're going to double back to that one. I'd you keep teasing it. I know, I know. Holy shit. But uh, this is, yeah, so this develops into a drool-based uh, high school rom-com where he discovers after taking the drool into his own self, almost uh, sacrament-like, he, he develops like a fever. The girl comes over to his house after hearing that he's been out of school for a week uh, with fever, and she reveals to him that he has become addicted to her drool and is suffering withdrawal symptoms from and, the drool. Uh, and what made you decide to double back and read through this? Well, I finished Team Medical Dragon, and it was, like, kind of late at night, but not late enough for me to, like, try to go asleep. But I needed to just throw something else on. So I clicked around, and it was, like, between this, there weren't a lot of updates uh, recently. There was a new chapter of Goku Rakugai, which was cool, but, you know, very short. There was a new chapter of Tengoku Daimakyo, which is, of course, uh, fantastic. Still running, but uh, there was a new chapter of Dandadan, but also there's, those are only like 10 pages long. So they went through them real quick. You know, I burned through my good stuff. Hey, there was a new Spy Family chapter, which is also good. Oh, shit. That is really not coming out fast enough, too, like... We haven't revisited the, the main story in Spy Family for like 10 issues, which is really starting to bug me. But whatever. Anyway, I, the point is I, I ran through a bunch of stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, I have a list of like very, very questionable manga that it's just sitting there in a folder, right? In a folder <laughs> off to the side that is like, this is too weird for me to ignore, but like too weird for me to like pick up and read. <laughs> so I just I just picked one. I picked Mysterious Girlfriend X. And uh, I'm not I'm not uh, regretful of that decision. I think there is interesting things in it. Uh, I think developing a romance about a girl who has drool-based powers, uh, bodily fluid-based powers, is 
fairly unique. I mean, uh, I can say that at least. And, and and the reveal, of course, and this happens in all these weird things, whenever you read some absolutely bizarre description of a manga, it, it generally boils down to, like, there is a strange element that is a, a metaphorizing agent for, you know, uh, some kind of uh, subtext they're trying to get at, right? This is pretty standard stuff. So sure. in this story, the girl herself is closed off. She has the long hair that blocks her eyes so people can't make eye contact with her, right? She's very closed off. She sleeps during recess and lunch so people can't come up and talk to her. This is, of course, where the drool comes from originally. Mm -hmm. She drools Mm -hmm. in her sleep. She talks very little. She doesn't like talking about herself. Um, She doesn't want to make friends with anyone. She makes it very explicit uh, over and over again in such a weird way. That's such a... This makes me really sad when people say uh, she's like just that. like I me don't for real. Friends. Yeah, and of course another the other big metaphorizing agent here is that she carries around a big pair of scissors with her at all times. And of course, what do scissors do? They separate. Sure, right? That could not be clearer. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, really on the nose. Anyway, of course the the saliva being something that is extraordinarily an intimate, right? Like l- swapping f- bodily fluids is also again a metaphor for sexual activity, right? Swap and spit and swap and spit and, and other fluids. Uh, very early on, there's some other fluids that get involved. I won't I won't elaborate, but. Uh, uh, I, mean, I wouldn't uh, the, know. I've never, the, uh, I've never kissed anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, you keep it dry at all times. Big dry boy over here, um, like a desert. But the wet, <laughs> the wetness here uh, stands in for like uh, a form of connection, and the wetness represents her ability to like mentally connect with the boy because she has the power to like transmit direct thoughts and feelings by having somebody taste her. Or having very specific people, people with the power to uh, reciprocate, taste her saliva or other bodily fluids and like understand what she's thinking and she can taste theirs and understand what they're thinking. So that's kind of the main gag. Whenever she comes to like a a sort of nonverbal impasse with the boy, they taste each other's spit and come to a better understanding of each other. So that's like where the spit uh, comes into play. It's, It's really that part of the story. And in that way, oh, okay, if I think about it like that, it is kind of sweet tale about two people who are uh, especially this girl who's very awkward and doesn't understand how to express herself except for this extraordinarily bizarre way and discovering somebody who's compatible with that bizarre way and developing like it sounds so cheesy but like a love language of spitting into each other's mouths <laughs> okay that all sounds great but like can you do it as i don't know mask mask your fetish a little bit more is all i'm saying i know i know the this is the problem with all these rob cobs is like it's clearly author going like hey this is what i'm really into how can i like work this into a story the other aspect uh, the other big aspect at least for the boy is and this kind of drives home the the uh the subtextual elements of what's trying to happen here is the, uh, a lot of the story plays uh into the boy's incredibly bizarre and vivid dreams he has like a dreamscape that he escapes into a lot which is again another element for like this is this is all part of like kind of the dreamlike nature of uh, the teenage romantic experience, I guess it's uh, it's all uh, 
kind of dissociative in that way, I guess. Sure. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm torn a little bit. It doesn't play a lot with these ideas. I found like getting a little further into it, it sort of levels off on the weirdness, which I, I kind of think is dumb. They should really press on with the weirdness. Obviously, it's like your main feature. But what got me really interested in this was how it compares to Sundome, which again, I I think we talked about a little bit, maybe on here, maybe not. I can't remember. We talked now. about it a little bit. Again, both of these very briefly when we were talking about uh, trash trash rom coms <laughs> a long time <laughs> yeah. ago. Uh, yeah. Sundome is is one. Uh, that's the uh, author's barely disguised uh, um, uh, domination fetish, basically. Oh, not not disguised at all. It is oh, it's central. No, no, it's central to the plot. It is extraordinarily explicit, and it is almost what the story is about. What's interesting to me here is the connection between those two things, whereas, like, this is very much, like, the pop cover of Sundome, and it feels very artificial when you stack them together, even because they're so similar but distinct in that way. This is very much like a very lighthearted gag version of Sundome. But they're both about teenagers who are uh, sort of pushing into the uncomfortable period of teenage dumb where suddenly you get really horny and you don't know what to do about it. It's, it becomes like almost uh, like uh, an impairment to your day-to-day life and <laughs> what i like about both of these stories is now generally that that is especially in manga where i think this stuff gets sexually dimorphized to a, an uncomfortable degree <laughs> you know uh, the boys this is a boy affliction you know and the girls uh, have to suffer for it because they they have a whole different standard right sure <laughs> to not to make this even more complicated but i did also read uh, a third aspect a, a trinity of this these three that's uh called the world of moral reversal that is about a girl who accidentally uh wakes up in a world where girls uh sexual habits are guys and the guys sexual habits are girls uh, what yeah um, which is very, very strange. Um, that is so almost all, like uh, sophomoric in its simplicity. It is. It is. Uh, but you know what? The surprising thing is it's not actually that bad. It, it is an interesting exploration. It's it's not as good as I would like it to be, and it's not as curious about gender roles as I would like it to be, but it it's better than you'd think. Anyway, the point being, the, the connection between those two is that aspect of it is not uh, highly gendered. Uh, like it is in a lot of other rom-coms. It, uh, teenage girls and teenage boys are both curious and participatory uh, in in like the sexual awakening, you know. And it's and it's honest about those things in a way I really like. The thing, the difference being, Sundome is like really interested in explicitly exploring like emotionally honest version of these stories. And Mysterious Girlfriend X is more about like writing a kind of an airy goofy rom-com about it but i do think the connection there is really interesting and the fact that they don't shy away from like female sexuality is uh refreshing to say the least considering a lot of the trash rom-com we've talked about uh basically say like uh women are chased and they're supposed to be and they don't think about sex and the ones that do are bad girls they're the bad girls 
uh, <laughs> which sucks. It fucking sucks. I hate when they do that because it's so fucking untrue. Uh, I know, again, I'm not a Japanese teenager, but I know those Japanese teenage girls are thinking about sex. I know it. It's a human urge. We have to be honest about this shit. Come on. Come on with this shit. Anyway, that's what I think was interesting uh, about Mysterious Girlfriend X is it leans more towards that side of, of the rom-com experience where, like, girls are allowed to also be interested in, like, the standard stuff of a high school romance, like getting horny and shit. It's honest about that. So props to that. Like, good good on you for approaching that in a more honest way than most uh, manga rom-coms are allowed themselves to be. I don't know if I would, like, recommend people go out and read Mysterious Girlfriend X, but I, I don't well, know. that's I, kind I of the, the clincher at the end of all of this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, oh, yeah, it, I loved it. It was great. Don't read it, though. I do not. I do not love it. I, I got to make myself clear. If they had pressed the issue and this had developed into a more interesting and expansive version of this story, I, I could see myself falling in love with it but it levels off and it sticks with its central gag and doesn't really elaborate too much which makes it a little bit boring once you get past the initial shock of somebody drinking somebody else's spit constantly (laughs) all right well why don't we take a break here and when we get back we can talk about some more of this trash yes yes let's do it I, uh, I had to stew with my drool drinking thoughts for a second there, but I, I think I cleared them out. I think I'm ready to talk about something else. You went and got yourself a big old cup of, cup of drool to sit down with? <laughs> no, I, I had to <laughs> empty my drool cup. Uh, <laughs> my chaw spit. <laughs> An old Gatorade bottle filled with brown liquid. Dumped it out my window like a gamer bottle. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a very different ending to your name. Imagine if it was everything was the same about Mysterio's girlfriend X, but she chewed. <laughs> oh, no. uh, she's always packing a lip, <laughs> like in class. <laughs> oh man, I want that so bad now. Okay, anyway, anyway, you finally uh, we it's been a little while, so I, hopefully you didn't forget. But we did do uh, an Isekai challenge a little while back, and you finally the first one you watched was the Kuma Bear Punch. Yes, uh, yeah. We talked a little bit about that, but this time because this just debuted or, or something you watched i got a cheat code in another world and became unrivaled in my world <laughs> yes as well that was another one of the uh answers that i got wrong in the isekai challenge if you're following with the lore dear listener um, <laughs> and man i wish i had not watched this one uh okay so this one just premiered right well not just premiered it's actually it may have done a multi-episode premiere but there's five episodes out at this point i only watched the first one all right so it ran for a little bit yeah uh i mean it's still running okay so give me the pitch for this one because i don't know i don't know what it is actually about. you're going in totally blind yeah yeah i okay. have no idea what this one's about yeah i did as well except it's for a guy great. having a cheat code in another world and then 
I assume he becomes unrivaled in his world. Here, actually, uh, let's do this. Using your very extensive knowledge of isekai tropes, you tell me what it's about, and I'll just correct you when you get something wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you want me to go through it? Okay, so I I guess, I'm going to guess that there is a boy to young man aged person. Uh, Yep. A male, I assume. Strong start. Yeah, and he, for... Uh, altruistic reasons dies in an accident. Uh, not quite. Does not die. But there is an Does accident. Does not die. There is an accident. He goes into a coma. He gets te- he gets teleported. No, no. He just gets uh. So you know, the, we start off young man, uh, overweight, not good looking, uh, not socially. Uh, gifted, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. A real anime fan type. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, and and the first scene in the episode is him witnessing a girl outside of a convenience store uh, getting getting harassed by a bunch of... Oh, so of, it's uh, one of those. Yeah, by a bunch of no-goodniks. Uh, so he, he, gets, he gets his ass kicked by, by stepping in trying to save her. Uh, like the cops show up and and they run off and they're like oh thanks for saving me are you okay and he does his soul like oh you know it doesn't matter I'm just gonna go bye he does not have a great life uh, it goes through uh, cartoonishly uh, extensive uh, paths to show to show the viewer is there anything interesting in his in his suffering or is it all just the same bullshit it's mostly the same bullshit. His parents hate him. His siblings hate him. Uh, but he had a a a wise old grandfather who was also rich, uh, who's now dead, and and left a, a sizable portion of of his money and his house to to the kid instead of the kid's parents. And that's why his parents hate him. I mean, that is a dick move to <laughs> cut your own children out of your will. I mean, come on. That's harsh. It's man. pretty funny though. <laughs> it's funny, but it's harsh. So just the same bullshit. Like nothing actual bad has happened to him. Just I mean, you know, he gets bullied at school. He gets beat so, up. Who doesn't? Uh, no, nothing, nothing bad. And in fact, he actually uh, inherits enough money to uh, own and live in a house by himself, like in high school. What a piece of shit! I hate this kid. Yeah, yo, he sucks. I would bully him. He sucks. Uh, and so uh, one day you know, there are kids some kids have actual bad things that like make their life bad sorry uh, anyway what happens uh, how so, does he end up in another world so one day after getting uh, beat up at school he, he goes home and uh, has a bit of a cry uh, and then uh, literally just happens to discover a secret room uh, in the house that his grandfather left him great great and and he casually throws out he's like oh yeah i guess uh, grandpa was like oh a, a rich world traveler and he has all of these artifacts from around the world sure of so course. you know we have we have set up we have convenience uh anyway inside this secret room that he discovers uh which for some reason is behind a hidden panel in the bathroom not sure why Huh. Yeah, uh, see, it seems weird, but uh, I'm not an architect. Anyway, inside this uh, secret room, he discovers a door, a mysterious wooden door at the back of the room. And when he goes through, uh, there's just another world on the other side. What kind? And fantasy, uh, standard, you know, uh, your Final Fantasy, your Dragon Quest, 
uh, and whatnot. Okay. It is in fact like the, it is literally the start of a video game. You know, he walks through the door and he gets uh, pop-up powers. Uh, he gets power of the game menu. Great, great. I'm not sure exactly where they're going. I'm assuming that this whole world is maybe some kind of elaborate uh, simulation, you know, uh, kind of like a holodeck situation that his rich grandfather may have had built or invented. Unclear. That sounds actually too interesting for like where the story would go. I feel like that's actually like giving it more credit. Yeah, sure. Maybe uh, maybe they've yet to introduce some kind of like a celestial being or deity that that is granted him this good fortune. That seems to be in a lot of these. Oh, no. Well, here's my here's my my guess and uh, i guess maybe we'll never uh confirm or deny it here but uh his grandfather didn't actually die it's like his grandfather's like uh the wise sage or the king or whatever in this fantasy land it's possible but they did uh i mean they did show him like he was in the room with his grandfather when he died of old age mm. like they showed that in a flashback I mean, that's not that doesn't look good for my theory, but it does not rule out anything. Maybe his spirit got isekai into the fantasy world. Yeah, yeah. His uh, his body double, his copy. Yeah, uh, his, his digital copy or whatever. Well, OK, it's funny you bring that up uh, uh, because uh, that is exactly where this was going. You know, he, he walks into this fantasy world and the door leads to the inside of a abandoned wise sage's house and like the first thing that he that he picks up after getting the pop-up powers you know the menu powers is a note on the table that literally says uh this house belongs to whoever finds this paper signed the wise sage who is his grandfather obviously yeah that's got to be the way it's going gotta be gotta be uh anyway he he starts going through his menus and he discovers that he has a stat page you know, and obviously he has one in every stat. Uh, not good stats at all. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, as he goes, he, he keeps getting pop-ups explaining what all of his new cheat code powers are. And there's no real explanation why, like, this all just happens. Like, he takes one step into the new world and and the pop-up menu says, congratulations, you have the otherworlder perk, which grants you all of these abilities. Uh, so, wow, that's yeah. Okay, it's it's you got the isekai perk, <laughs> basically. Wow, I mean literally, literally. Uh, and so that's really you know he he finds a box of legendary weapons uh, and armor, and uh, he discovers that the house has an impenetrable force field around it that monsters can't get into, and so he can actually uh, he can. Uh, farm monsters from inside of his force field. He kites monsters into the no aggro zone and then defeats them like that? Yep. <laughs> That's the most bullshit. I hate this kid even more. <laughs> that sucks so bad. Fuck you. Fuck you, kid. So anyway, after like, oh, also he discovers that there's a garden that, that produces vegetables that give him power-ups. Jesus Christ. So it's a video game. You know, it's a JRPG. Sure. Uh, oh, and also the funniest power, this was my favorite one, is uh, he has the sell any item uh, ability. Wait, you can't sell any item without an ability? Commerce is locked behind us. Well, let me explain. Uh, the way this works is when he defeats monsters in the fantasy world and they drop, you know, whatever it is monsters drop, crafting items, 
uh, equipment, you know, junk, sure. whatever, uh, like you'd get in a JRPG. Uh, when he goes back through the door to the real world, because there's no restrictions on that, uh, the instructions explicitly say that he can go back and forth whenever he wants and the door can never be destroyed. Uh, when he goes back to the real world, it automatically converts all of that stuff into like actual real world cash. But wasn't he already rich? Yeah. F- wow. Fuck this kid. <laughs> okay, so uh, we need to come up with some kind of metric for this at some point. But like how f- from the start of the show to... Um, the first like anime lady that falls in love with them. Like how are we talking the first 15 minutes? Uh, they actually, they haven't, an- uh, they haven't introduced an anime lady yet. Wow. Not in the first episode. First episode ends with him, uh, grinding stat points in the fantasy world and then coming back and realizing that that made him hot. Yes, of course. And, and the episode ends, with him going to school and everyone being awestruck at how hot he is now. That's that is a very big uh, thing in uh, manhwa. Yes, it's it's very much in the vein of like solo leveling or stuff like that. Yes, yes, a huge part of that is like uh, anybody who like <laughs> becomes powerful or like heroic or whatever automatically becomes hotter. Yeah, because ugly people can't be strong or heroic. Everybody knows that. I mean, you know, uh, going a, a little bit more serious here, the implication of that is really fucking gross to me. Yeah, it sucks. It's really bad. Uh, it's really, really disturbing. So how, well, here's, okay, here, I'm throwing another one out here. How detailed was the character design of the girl he saves at the beginning? Is it detailed enough that she can, like, come with him through the door at some point? Oh, yeah, she's definitely coming back. Okay, so she's definitely going to be, like, one of one of the anime ladies. Yeah. Uh, you know, unclear. She wasn't wearing, like, a school uniform, so I don't know if she's, like, a, a classmate of his yet uh, or what, but definitely emphasis in design enough to have her being, like, a recurring character. She was not a background character. If she transfers into his class, it's over, dog. <laughs> like, she's in. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I watched. Uh, hold on, hold on. What, was there anything, like, redeeming about this first episode? Uh, no, it was all trash. Not even one thing. Wow. that's. I, I'm trying to think here, and, uh, like, no. It, it, it strikes as a beginning of a school shooter manifesto. Oh, boy. Uh, it's, it's got those big vibes. <laughs> you know, uh, everyone is stupid, but me, no one, you know, no one uh, has ever given me a chance just because I'm ugly, which, you know, to be fair, that's probably true. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, don't be bitter about it. Isn't it one of the unspoken things in all of these is like, well, maybe it's because you're such an asshole about everything. Well, what really, like, um, put me off about the whole thing is is how far they went to show that even his family, like, hates him for no reason whatsoever other than, I guess, he's overweight and ugly. <laughs> they just hate him. Like, he... Because uh, he came out like them. He, he has a twin six-year-old brother and sister, and, like, they had a flashback where he, he went to his room and they had written inheritance stealer on his door. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, in like you know, in like silly crayon little kid font. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. That's really funny. Okay, great. (laughs) Well, that sucks. You know how we we really try to be positive on this show, like uh, really try to dig in and find the silver linings. But uh, that sounds really desperate. Hey, man, you're the one who told me to watch it. That was part of your challenge. And you've got a few more, if I remember correctly. (laughs) Oh no, I hope you would. Yeah, yeah, you've got a couple more. Well, you you got to line something up for the next episode. Can I tell you about the one I the isekai I watched like by my own free will? Yes, please do enlighten me. I went ahead and I watched a show called Why Rayliana Went to the Duke's Mansion, I think. <laughs> uh, I believe the actual called. title is How Rayliana Ended Up at the Duke's Mansion. Record scratch. <laughs> <laughs> you may be wondering how I ended up at this Duke's Mansion. <laughs> that time I jumped off a bridge and ended up at the duke's mansion well no hold on okay to be fair uh when i saw you put this on here i went and watched the first episode just to have a a primer on what we're talking about and she did not jump she was very clearly pushed at the beginning of the episode oh yes she was very clearly pushed and i'm calling it now i'm gonna i'm gonna put a finger in the air right now i i think her future self pushed her so that she could have this uh, have this experience Oh, that would definitely, uh, that would make sense. It's only four episodes in. We have no idea whether any of that kind of thing is even possible at this point. So it's just my base speculation, but I, f- I have a feeling about this one, you know? I get the feeling about this one. So now it's it's important because of how much we just shat on that Isekai that we, we make the distinction. This is much more in the villainous vein of Isekais, wherein uh, you could almost call it like the shoujo strain of Isekai, where a girl kind of gets put into like the, oh no, I'm a, I'm a, a beset upon young lady and I'm surrounded by these like dubious sexy men. Oh, how will I ever extract myself from this uh, precarious scenario. I mean, these are these are basically like grocery store novel section, like romance, bodice burster type stuff. Yes, yes. She makes it very clear at the beginning that her, her favorite book is a trashy romance novel, bodice ripper for sure. And uh, she seems to have uh, strangely memorized the book back to front, which is crazy. I, I have a lot of books that I really love, but I don't know if I've ever memorized the entire book. But uh, after getting pushed off a parking garage, I think, right? Uh, somewhere, bridge, parking garage. She, yeah, she wakes up in as a character. She takes over the body, to be very specific, of a character in her favorite romance novel. And it just so happens to be one of the characters that gets killed off early. Yeah, and so her goal now becomes, you know, with, with foreknowledge of how the book ends trying to not only die a second time as part of the novel but figure out who killed her in the real world yes yes which seems impossible from the inside of a book but who knows who knows so she sets out and she uses this foreknowledge to do a little bit of cheating now the thing that uh got me immediately was uh and this shouldn't really be a spoiler this is an incredible logical story straight line between two points but uh when you change the the story of a book you no longer know what's going to happen so 
she has she immediately starts fucking around with the narrative of this book and throws away basically her biggest advantage. Well, okay, so I was assuming when I was watching the first episode that they were going to go uh, with a much more, I don't know, magical realism aspect where, like, she is trying to change the story and by virtue of already being written, like, the story would always find a way to justify continuing in the way it was written. But uh, they didn't end up doing that, uh, and I was actually very disappointed because I thought that sounded much more interesting. Yeah, so that's one of my two complaints, really, is... um they don't attempt to address that kind of thing, which, you know, maybe a complaint is too strong. I think it's just a it's a choice they made. Uh, I think in universe, uh, it seems like a bad choice for her to throw away one of her biggest advantages. Uh, and she does immediately fuck up the story. It goes in a completely different direction almost immediately. I guess my other my other thing is that the character once she's in the story, everything kind of just plays out as if she was a person in the story to begin with like uh maybe the implication is like she's so good at acting and she's so knowledgeable about like this particular kind of western european maybe like british aristocracy setting that she kind of just very easily slips into character but like everything feels like like it's kind of a naturalistic world instead of like the incredibly heightened romantic surrealism really of like a romance novel if you've ever read one of those super horny romance novels like it's kind of cartoonish right and uh in the story even though it's an anime so in that way it is all the characters are cartoonish uh, it is not played up in a way that i thought uh the the premise of the show would do an interesting thing with so that that is my other that is my other complaint so far of Rayliana. It's only four episodes in, so we'll see how it goes. But it is at least refreshing um, from the Isekai perspective that this is a story where she doesn't have like special powers. She doesn't have a cheat skill. Uh, she's not like a well. Moody no, hold on, loser. hold on. I know that you just went on that whole thing about how she like started changing the story immediately, but like I, she still has foreknowledge of like characters from the book like she still knows how certain things are going to happen she has access to knowledge that the character in the book would not have access to yes Uh, that's a a huge cheat skill that is a certain amount of advantage that she gets from that but at the same time she is a a, basically a a woman in in victorian era london uh she's kind of at the mercy of uh the tides as it were uh, not in the strongest position to use that foreknowledge, which is not bad. That's where the drama comes from, right? Is she's in a powerless position and she has to use the tools at hand to like navigate uh, her way through this dangerous scenario, which is cool. I mean, that's the that's the central mystery that is actually interesting about the show and is something I like. I, I think is pr- that's probably why uh, I'll probably keep watching it. I think it's kind of fun in that way. We'll see if the that dramatic element of it continues. I hope it still plays into like a murder mystery kind of thing. So, so her playing this game, this dangerous game where she's trying to avoid getting murdered inside of the the novel, is fun. It's a really fun setup. I'm excited to see if they play with it uh, in more weird and interesting ways. I I wish the animation was better. Not better, but I wish there was more animation in in the series, but you know, whatever. It's a it's a mid-budget show. Uh I can live with that. 
Well, fair enough. Uh, tell me one thing before we move on here. This uh, started off as uh, a manhwa, right? This was Korean. I don't know the backstory of this one, surprisingly enough. I, I looked into it, and it did start off as a series of Korean light novels um, that got adapted into like a, a manhwa webtoon type thing. Yeah, yeah. Not surprised to hear that in the least. This very much comes off as uh, a manhwa style uh, I think a lot of the villainous stuff does come from Manwa to begin with. So I, I do totally think it's funny sense. that in the anime adaptation, they uh, changed everybody to be Japanese and gave everybody Japanese <laughs> names. Hey, uh, it's how it goes. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Just, uh, just saying, if you go and uh, look up the wiki for this one, uh, you will notice none of the names match what's in the anime. Yeah, yeah. Well... It would have been kind of fun if they went that direction, but uh, I don't think they do that very often. Uh, Yeah, so we actually watched two dueling isekais this time. That's kind of interesting. I mean, I was I was excited to see one from from a female perspective. It's not something that you get a lot of. It exists. You know, they're out there. I know about them, but the real awful ones are are mostly male centered. And yes, it's uh, pretty gross. (laughs) Uh, I don't know why we've so far talked so much about isekais. Actually, I do know it's because we're so engrossed out by it. But but we, we have talked way too much about isekai. Let's let's uh, let's move on before we get uh, sucked back into shitting on them. <laughs> let's take another break. guys so i want to talk about uh something that uh you know we've been working on a little bit behind the scenes here uh very very early on but uh, i've been putting together a bit of uh, a project in, in my my uh <laughs> my solitude my my uh wizened hermit on the mount existence it compels me to do stupid things like uh writing fiction and so one of the projects that i've taken upon myself uh and that we are we're working together on is uh the shonen king which is of course the stephen king shonen yeah i'm very excited i think that there's a lot of potential here now we're both uh big stephen king fans and haters obviously i mean big love to stevie out there i wouldn't call myself a hater to him specifically. I'm a lover and a hater, baby. I I think uh, some of his books are great. I mean, I think Carrie, indisputably a great book. The Stand, indisputably one of the worst books ever written. So I'm on, <laughs> I'm, I'm on, I'm on both sides, baby. I'm on both sides. I love him and I hate him. Between both of us, I think we've probably watched every single Stephen King adaptation at this point. Oh, definitely. I, I think that my uh, my catalog in the world of King is 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 pretty you know filled out. Uh, at least in terms yeah. of movies, I haven't read a, I haven't read a whole lot of the actual novels myself. Yes, I, I've read not every one of them, and I'm never going to because once we get to like mid '90s literary Stephen King, man, there's just like a fucking besides dark tower it, it really feels like a graveyard but that's fine we you know whatever he is he had a solid 20 years of like big ups and downs 
So the the idea being we combine these two things, uh, obviously, our, our love and hatred for anime and our love and hatred for Stephen King. This is like the terrible milk chocolate and the, the <laughs> disgusting grocery store peanut butter combination that we love that goes so well together. <laughs> and uh, kind of putting together like, uh, I, and I want to stress this, it's not a multiverse, right? Yeah, let's, let's be upfront about this. This project is not the Dark Tower. Uh, it's not the Dark Tower, and it's not a multiverse. These aren't worlds colliding. Uh, what's um, that show that they did? Uh, Castle Rock. It's not a Castle, Castle Rock. Rock. It's similar. It's more similar to a Castle Rock than anything, because in Castle Rock, a lot of the characters are normalized into the Castle Rock world, and they are kind of differentiated enough from their original context to like be distinct characters, even though they represent old characters. You know, Annie from Misery exists within Castle Rock, but it's her younger nurse self. Uh, sure. And she's 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 a, just a sinister nurse and not uh, a recluse with a big pig. So that's kind of... Well, really what we're trying to describe here is the shonen version of like a high school AU for for the Stephen King I hate uh, I hate catalog. to put it in those terms I hate it I, I, I hate to call it an AU I uh, don't I do not like that nothing wrong with that it just personally makes my skin crawl but I guess that is what it is I I, I gotta own up sure we want to take Stephen King's uh, oeuvre and kind of mush it together like wet clay and reform it into the shape of like our favorite shonen and uh you know we have some pieces on the board already you know i i don't want to seal it too soon but i i think we want to use danny torrance as the main character well you know let's um before we get too into the structure of it uh i mean that is a good place to start but let's just say we have a starting point which is danny torrance is our main character and let's just talk about shonen tropes and things that we we want to represent uh, a character who has amnesia and they've forgotten all their cool powers. Oh, okay. That's a good one. What do you what do you think about that? Cuz I love that one. I love when they unlock their past selves and they get like a bunch of cool powers back. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, not my favorite personally. I like to see natural growth from start to finish. It feels unearned to me. Uh, if they like, you know, just already knew all this stuff and are just kind of waiting to unlock it, like like power ups in a video game, I think that's a little flat. Okay, well, what do you what do you think? What do you like? Uh, what I like are you know a large cast of supporting characters that the main can can rally around in times of need. You know, friendship's sure, sure. a big thing about Shonen, uh, and, and Danny's going to need. Uh, his is unique cadre of superpowered friends. Oh, he's going to put together a crew. What do you think in like uh, enemies to friends kind of thing? Oh, like enemies to friends arcs. is always a good way to go. I like that. You love a redemption arc. He yeah. uh, he beats the shit out of somebody and then they become friends for some reason. Yeah, you know, I like when you set up a a singular character as kind of like the first season villain, and then you, you know they get to defeat them at the end of the first major arc, but then it turns out. Out, that there's an even bigger threat that was controlling them and now they're on the good guy's side 
Uh, that's a oh, good yeah. one for me. Check this one out, right? So you battle a bad guy, and as the story progresses in the battle, you find out that actually the bad guy's only doing it because of like a good reason, like a really tragic but good reason. And actually, they just needed some sense beaten into them to bring them back into the fold. Okay, yeah, kind of like um, I think they do uh, a pretty good version of that in Gurren Lagann. You know, because you have the Beastmen, those are the initial bad guys. But then it turns out that they're they're just oppressed by an even higher cosmological order. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, it happens to a lot of trigger shows, right? Because, like, uh, basically every bad guy in Kill a Kill ends up as as her as her companion by the end. Fighting oh, sure, the, yeah. the greater war. Well, I mean, Kill the yeah. Kill is, you know, maybe one of the best animes of all time for many reasons. Well, I- I do think it is one of the most perfect shonen. So definitely want to borrow a lot from from Kill a Kill. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this seems incredibly obvious, but like a tournament arc is oh, a must have. Yes, right? need a tournament arc. Absolutely need a, need a uh, you know, I I love a line of of unique and interesting villains. Oh, or not even villains, just challenges that the that the protagonist can overcome. You know, I like oh, yeah. it when everybody has like a very specific and esoteric theme about whatever their fighting style is. Oh yeah, and we reveal the tragic backstories as the fights unfold, mm. increasing the tension and making the stakes like feel really palpable. We are like uh, like four or five dudes deep in the crew acquirement, mm-hmm. uh, and we go into a tournament arc, and then. The, some of the people end up also joining the crew at the end. Some of them end up defeated, and some of them go on to be even bigger villains. Yeah, the classic Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, basically half of all Yu Yu Hakusho that takes place in that in that. Yu Yu Hakusho is just three tournament arcs, one after the other. <laughs> no, there's like four or five episodes at the beginning where they're doing ghost hunting. <laughs> Nobody talks about those. <laughs> forget, forget about those. Obviously, like, Baki is... Uh, the best example i feel like yes uh, uh well i mean baki is just tournament arcs for 40 oh, years love baki oh god i love baki you know uh 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 we should give danny like a cute little mole right above his right oh above i his like mouth. that well you see I, w- I would love it if danny and jack had like a, a baki and yujiro kind of relationship oh oh that is perfect actually yes that 100 percent. that is that is locked in yeah I, I i love that that is gonna be in it for real <laughs> can uh can jack torrance just be absolutely ripped to shit like muscles bulging out of every every angle okay well so here's a shonen thing right um evilness gives you powers like it's the shortcut to power right is becoming evil yes and that's why goodness wins in the end because like goodness is a power that's developed it's grown it's trained it's honed whereas evilness is like given to you it's it's corrupted it's like it's a it's the cheat way to become powerful oh well here's Um, what i always see and and you know this maybe this is just my interpretation but i see a lot in shonen where you have the one character who's starts off on the good guy side and then falls to evil to gain you know power uh, much more quickly for whatever reason your you know very basic oh, no, no, example no, yes 
this is this is uh, this is a character who starts in the squad mm-hmm. um, and is usually like a pretty cool guy or like he feels like he's kind of like uh, he's got an edge to him. I mean, we can just call him the Sasuke. Sh- oh, sure, the Sasuke for sure. Yeah, yeah. As the main character progresses in power, they realize there's being left behind and they develop a grudge. Yes, and the grudge is taken advantage of, become an evil guy. He's given power and he loses that power when he's defeated by the good guys but he finds something even better friendship yes i mean that's what i was trying to get at is uh, a lot of this time it's it's a single person trying to to gain power very quickly uh, and then realizing that the power of teamwork and friendship was the real strength right right now uh another thing that's great is uh wise mentor oh yeah you need the sensei training arc yeah you meet the sensei there's a cool training arc. This is usually when his powers are augmented with like a certain synergistic uh, attribute. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, bonus points if the sensei is like uh, maybe he's like a lush or a womanizer. <laughs> well, that's not my that's not my favorite uh, part <laughs> of the sensei. I like it more when the sensei is like. Uh, He's like uh, I don't want to say Sundere, but like he d- he's, he only trains him begrudgingly, and he does it uh, almost tangentially as part of his like negging. You, you know oh, what I mean um, who's the who's the character from the Dead Zone? Uh, that should be that should be the Sensei character. Oh yeah, the guy who is going to kill the president. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. He he would be a great he would be a great sensei actually. And he has a very tragic backstory that turns him into like a, an isolated weirdo. Yeah. You remember he he loses his girlfriend when he goes into the coma uh-huh. and when he tries to come back she's like married with kids? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really good too. I think that really fits. Okay, uh, how do we want to approach the very sensitive topic of the shonen trio? The Narusasukure? Yes. Now the uh, the goofy guy, the cool guy, and the girl. Yes, it is very difficult. Now, now I think of my goofy guy as you know the Naruto is gonna be Danny as we've established. So now I think uh, Danny is not so much of a goofy guy. Danny no, is gonna Danny's be more kind like, of like a, a somber character, though. You know, he's a he's a timid, brooding uh, character who wants to be good and cheerful, but is held back by his previous traumas and his uncertainty about his own abilities. He's more of like, um, uh, oh, who's uh, Yuta from Jujutsu Kaisen Zero? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also I think of him as like the main character in Chojin X. Okay. Who I, I forget his name, but they have a, a very similar uh, Narasasukura and Chojin X that I kind of really want to base on, which is actually includes a lot of the elements we just talked about. Uh, the main character is sort of he's he's held back by his his feeling of powerlessness after uh, traumatic experiences, you know, uh, that he couldn't do anything about. And his best friend that he kind of latches onto uh, because he's capable and he's cool and he's like he's uh, he's one of the like shining examples of like cool and goodness who eventually becomes the bitter guy who desires power because he sees his friend uh, surpass him. And then the third girl is uh, a, a humble but like 
kind of spunky, rambunctious girl who stumbles into power that she doesn't abuse because she's so good-natured that it just kind of comes naturally to her. Okay. Now, that that is something we have obviously have to tweak because I don't think that character exists anywhere in Stephen King. There are very um, few uh, characters in Stephen King that I would describe as naturally good-natured. Yeah, or, I, they, or not that there isn't, uh, not that they aren't there, but uh, they are few and far between. Yes, Definitely we, less in number than greaser bullies. Oh, there we'll have we have a million greaser bully demons. Oh, by uh, the way, our, our, we are going to have greaser bullies in this, right? In the form of like Japanese uh, high school delinquents with the with the pompadours. Oh yeah, fifties evil fifties greasers are all over this thing okay I mean, they good. are the main they're the cannon fodder basically they're the small fry <laughs> they're the npcs they're the npc mobs oh no yeah so this actually the narcissus presents us with an interesting challenge because we don't really have a, a typical girl who fits in to the, the the sakura role a lot of the women in stephen king works are either almost completely one-dimensional or very fucked up you know my first thought is like fran from the stand is a a a fairly good-natured strong female character even if she is fairly two-dimensional but she gets kicked around a lot in that book and uh, she doesn't end up with any kind of like particularly interesting features We'd have to do a lot of remodeling. You know what I mean? It's not a whole teardown, but definitely a heavy remodel. Sure. Uh, what's her name from It is another candidate, obviously. Um, but she again, Ooh, she Beth? has an incredibly... Yeah, Beth has an incredibly traumatic past that kind of makes her not a, a, a great fit. She would fit, I think, but again, it's a kind of a remodel uh, scenario there. Let's see. There's no girls in, in Stand By Me. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, the girlfriend in in Salem's Lot, but she's a big nothing. She dies. This is a bit of a tangent, but uh, this may be another, another project to work on in the future, but I would totally... Uh, watch a like anime girl band rendition of Stand By Me <laughs> where they go to see a dead body <laughs> yeah one of them gets hit when they're walking on the tracks <laughs> yeah I mean I'm trying to think of um, other characters that would fit in there this is a really tough one though because like Carrie I'm reserving um, for obvious reasons she's going to be an enemy to friends later on oh okay I like uh, that she, she has to be yeah I mean she just has to be right because we have to give her her nice natural arc but unlike Stevie we're not going to punish her at the end we're going to bring her in we're going to redeem her okay can I can I posit this yeah overlook high school uh, explain yourself <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the shining hotel but instead of a hotel it's a school Seems pretty self-explanatory. Well, you know, I kind of thought that we had uh, the Shining Hotel, the Overlook, would have been part of Danny's traumatic past um, that informs his character. Oh, so you want to keep all of the Shining canon to this? No, I would change it a lot, but I feel like because it's such so central to Danny's motivation and his past trauma that it seems like a waste to throw it all away. Like, who is Danny without that experience? You know what I mean? Okay. All right. Fair enough. I mean, I'm not saying we can't use like a haunted high school. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's plenty of haunted places in Stephen King books, but maybe not that particular haunted place. Well, keep thinking on that one. 
Yeah, I don't know. I see. I, I do think you know the the high school setting is obviously one of the most classic shonen tropes. So we do want to make use to uh, the fullest extent that we can there. You know, Danny is going to have like Chunin disease for sure. There are going to be mysterious transfer students, obviously. There's going to be a teacher who turns out to be like an evil monster, 100%. That's going to be in there. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's going to be... I mean, I'm assuming there's going to be vampires. 100%, of course. They're Mm -hmm. not going to be... They're going to be the fucked up anime vampire that's like not really a vampire, though. You know what I mean? Like it's That's kinda just like, kind of like a, a, an attractive person. Or or like some kind of fucked up monster that they they call a vampire for whatever reason, you know? <laughs> I definitely like that. You know, I would love to do a school arc where like uh, the kids have to do some kind of like school adventuring for sure. Kind of like a seven mysteries of the school kind of thing. That would be a great arc. Okay. All right. Oh, who are the um? Who are the two dudes from? Sorry, going back to vampires for a second. Who are the two dudes from Salem's Lot? Well, that's Ben Mears is the grizzled sensei, and uh, uh, Mark uh, Mark something is the kid. Yeah, Ben Mears uh, should absolutely have like the the round glasses and wide brim hat combo from Alucard and Helsing. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, I do think of Ben Mears as one of the. One of the grizzled senseis, at least from one arc, cannot give up on that because that's too good. It's too good. Sure. Absolutely. Either that or he is like the connection to a secret organization. We That's a shonen thing I, I've always, uh, you know, appreciated some kind of like mysterious organization that our characters can be brought into, you know? You know what I mean? You know, uh, I think uh, that there's that there's uh, extra points there if you show them like uh, backlit in shadow their first appearance. So we only really get the outline of their character designs. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Now the one thing I do have to put my foot down on, and this is uh, pretty common in Shonen, is that the mysterious organization a lot of times turns out to be like the feds. You know what I mean? Oh, cops. I don't want my characters to be cops. Like, nobody gets to be cops. That's a hard rule in this one. No cops. No one's going to be feds. No one turns out to be FBI. Like, I have to... No secret, like, like men in black. That is not happening. We've got to draw a line. The more I think about it, like, Firestarter is basically a shonen plot to begin with anyway. Yes. And you know what? Um, shit, what's her name? I just call her Drew Barrymore. <laughs> yeah, Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Drew Barrymore in Firestarter would be one of the better characters to slot into that like rambunctious, uh, s- uh, scampy uh, Sakura slots. Oh, yeah. What do you call a more agreeable Asuka type? Yes, yes. Because she in the book, I can't remember the movie too well right now. And I didn't watch that new one. Um, so don't know how that plays out. But she like she, bad things really do happen to her. She has a pretty traumatic experience, but she doesn't come out the end of it like evil, twisted person. She's like she's kind of hopeful for the future. She keeps her spirit uh, lit as she keeps the spirit of rebellion lit inside her. More of a of a Nobara type from Jujutsu Kaisen. Yeah. And and she uh, also fights the feds. So, yeah, <laughs> she, she fights the feds, which is perfect. Yeah, I, I, I think these are these are all things we have to kind of take into consideration. I, I think we're starting to build up a good idea of what what Shonen King is going to end up looking like. We're going to have to start taking this big lump of clay and uh, kind of hacking away until we masterfully find the beautiful sculpture inside, as they say. We'll keep uh, we'll keep developing this. We'll give you updates, dear listener. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the the end goal here being like we'd like to get it into a working state and then present it to you, obviously, my uh, my best friends and my dear listeners, uh, and for your listening pleasure. Because uh, I mean, you know the, let's need. let's not be you know duplicitous here. The end goal is to uh, sell the story back to Stephen King. Uh, make a million dollars and and move to Japan. I do think, uh, you know, Stephen King is not unpopular in Japan. Like, it's true. He is a presence. He is a presence there. Oh yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, I've read things even recently that mention how popular Stephen King books are in Japan. Dolores Claiborne is huge there. Oh, I bet. I bet. Hey, it gets name dropped in Twentieth Century Boys, which is very apt because actually there's a lot of interesting comparisons you can make there, but. You know, this could be a great, you know, we could write this up. We could be, uh, sell it to uh, a mangaka, get our, get our own anime going, eh? What do you think about that? That'd be kind of cool, right? That's the dream. That's the dream, That's the baby. Dream, baby. All right. Well, we'll, we'll take that out into the back and, uh, kind of whip it into shape. I think it might take a little while. We might not talk about it for, for a little while, but, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to keep working on it. We're going to hammer away, see what we end up with. All right. Oh, Okay. Well, that was that was a lot. We didn't talk about uh, as much anime this time, but you must be full up, right, uh, best friends and listeners? Uh, that was a fair amount of anime. You've oh, got they're up to their ears in anime right now. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you're probably playing catch-up from all the other great anime we talked about in the previous episodes. So. Because I know, dear listener, that you are watching all of these recommendations. You are watching and reading at, at our, our pace, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> you're burning through this shit just as fast as we are. I mean, we are talking directly to you, our best friend, the listener. Uh, I know what you've been reading. Uh, you really need to catch up. This is not a parasocial relationship. I feel like we haven't stressed that recently, but I want to make that sh- clear. This is we are actually your friends. Please think of us as your real, actual friends. Um, and thank you again for sitting down on the couch with your your best friends and talking anime. I I really liked uh, I really liked what you had to say this week. It's true, and you know what? Uh, I upload these these episodes to YouTube. That is a great way to comment and and get your questions and topics in here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta plug it, man. We have to do some self promotion. Totally, you're totally gonna do that. Okay, well, <laughs> you you best friends and best listeners, uh, go get us more listeners and best friends. Collect them for us. We'll put the work onto you because apparently we're too lazy to do it. It's true. Oh, okay. Well, with that thought, I think I'm, I think I'm done. <laughs> done. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to think about this anymore. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Thanks for listening, you guys. Bye. Bye. I'm thinking we should probably do this podcast at like a 95 BPM. (laughs) He really keeps the pace up.